Hey everybody and welcome to Metallicast, my friends of misery. I am the host of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast, and your fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. Now you might be wondering, what is Metallicast, my friends of misery? Well, these are special episodes not hosted by me, the host. Uh, I have to take a step back from the podcast for a few months. For nothing bad, uh, actually happy stuff. I have a newborn at home, uh, but I have a newborn on top of uh, having a two-year-old, on top of having a full-time day job that pays the bills. So I got to just take a few months off, tend to my family, tend to my job, get in a new routine, figure out what the hell I am doing with myself and with two young kids at home. And my goal being that I will be back for a fourth anniversary celebration in December. And in the meantime, I've asked friends of mine to step in and guest host. And I've asked them, you know, do what you want to do. Share a personal Metallica story. Choose a Metallica topic that has not been covered yet by Metallicast. Whatever you want to do, do your thing. And I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, that 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 was all I asked them, and they were uh, several friends were kind enough to step in, step up, and help me out uh, during these few months because I did not want to go three months or so without providing any new content for all of you in the Metallicast Monday Show. So this is my way of giving you some new content while also being able to take a break and deal with the real world for a little bit. But like I said. I will be back, hopefully in time for the fourth anniversary. You can follow me on social media at MetallicastPod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I will be active on there during this whole time. Uh, So you can stay tuned to social media for more updates on my triumphant, epic return on my quest for world domination. But in all seriousness, a huge thank you to the guests. And please follow me on social and continue to interact with me in there. Otherwise, I'm really going to miss all of you. (laughs) myself is not gonna cry um but you know all good positive stuff and these will be episodes that if you like even after i return i would love to do more my friends of misery episodes where guests host come in and have free reign of the show i think that could be a cool thing down the road so let me know what you think of our guest host and of these special episodes of metallicast before we jump into the my Friends of Misery episode, I do want to give a huge thank you to Hector Castro, the man behind my favorite one-man band, Bison out of the UK. Check out the links in the episode description. Bison provides all the original music that you hear in this episode and all Metallicast episodes, including the epic Creeping Death introduction. Sorry, I just have to get as many James Hatfield impressions in as I can because I'm going to have a few months where... I'm not going to be able to do it, at least for all of you. Ooh, let me get Dave Mustaine one into. Ooh, yeah. All right. I think I got it out of my system. Oh, now I lied. Ooh. All right, now I think I got it out of my system. And now, here is Metallicast. My friends of misery. Yeah. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. Middle up your ass. Yeah.
Metallicast fans, welcome. And this is My Friend of Misery, part two edition, uh, helping out Brandon and Metallicast here. This is Deacon from the Deacon and Co. Show. Um, so weird to say something other than welcome. This is episode whatever from the Deacon and Co. Show. It's the first time I'm actually ever doing something like this of hosting uh, another podcast. And uh, rightfully so. When was asked to do this, without a hesitation, the answer was yes. Uh, helping out Brandon here uh, while he's doing his parental duties. And uh, I think it's a cool thing that uh, he asked some of his close friends and uh, his close fans to do a little recording uh, for him and put it on there in the My Friend of Misery segment. Last week, uh, or last episode that we heard uh, was from Bruno McDonald. And uh, what a great job he did uh, interviewing the uh, guest that he had come on there, and I'm sure you guys have all heard it, being a fan of Metallicast and Brandon, and uh, it really was interesting, um, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed watching and listening, or watching, listening to it, uh, and it just had me wondering, like, just, you know, uh, the awesomeness of how it is to be, you know, at a Metallica concert, uh, you know, when you're expected to sit there and, you know, deal with the circumstances of the weathering, and uh, I went through it, you know, especially at these festivals. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk about how the weather was crazy in the last one. Well, the festivals that we just experienced, uh, there was a lot of craziness going on uh, with that aspect of things, but we'll get into that in a few minutes, and uh, again, thankful for being here. Uh, my name is Deacon. Uh, basically, um, very excited, as I mentioned, to do this, and uh, the situation that we have here, um, running a Metallica based podcast um, is a little different than what I do. Um, so hats off to Brandon uh, for all the great guests that he always has on the show and continuing to grow the show. Uh, my uh, introduction to Brandon, just two Metallica fans and uh, hit it off and just been buddies ever since. Uh, he's been on my show a couple of times and uh, I've actually uh, got to work with Brandon uh, about now four times and each time that We've done work together. It's been pretty cool, and uh, I think that this will be something that you guys enjoy. Uh, Brennan asked me to come on here and talk about some experiences and some stories that I have especially. So uh, we recorded this a while back uh, in July months, and uh, based upon you know Brandon's parental duties, he didn't get a chance to put it up yet until now. So I said to him, I said, uh, let's re-record it and let the audience know about what the experience was at the first two festivals that Metallica had done this year and uh, what we got going on for the rest of the year that's going to lead us up into the 40th anniversaries. I mean, guys, this is 40 years of the band doing what it does best and performing for us and being on top, getting us through the pandemic on what we've, you know, experienced with them, the album release, the drive-in show, uh, just everything else that they've done, the benefit concert, and so much other cool things that Metallica has done. And I'm actually glad in a sense that we got to celebrate, you know, uh, the iconic Black Album's 30th year anniversary, but at the same time, let's not forget that uh, there's another album that came out that's celebrating a big anniversary, Master of Puppets 35th anniversary, March the 3rd, and the, the thing is, is that without Puppets, there's no Black Album, yes, but when you become a Metallica fan, uh, it's not just about being a fan, it's about adjusting to you know, the music. I've never had a band myself uh, that could I could sit there and say that I actually um, 
you know, made the adjustments to like every one of their catalogs. And it, it's, it's pretty crazy because, you know, it's a lot of the things that I talk about on my show are sports related and Metallica. And sometimes those worlds don't collide, but when they do, it's such a great thing. But my ultimate goal when doing my show is to basically hear the stories of what this, you know, crazy ride has been like for all the fans and uh not so much envy but cherish the moments that we get to have to hear the stories of what the fans come on to each of these different great podcasts uh like Metallicast and a couple others that you know share the experiences and uh that's what it's all about is having the experience and having the actual memories uh with the band itself uh is i guess really what keeps it going for fans and you know whatnot but uh with that being said welcome to where time stands still no one leaves no one will sure absolutely but getting into it now as i just mentioned uh we're now sitting with a couple of shows left we got 11 4 uh where we got hard rock is going to be in miami then we have 11 6 at atl live and then finally we have uh, 11-12 and the 14th in Rockville in Daytona Beach, leading us into December 17th and December 19th for the 40th anniversary shows in San Francisco. Uh, very super excited. Uh, when I first found out that Metallica was uh, announcing shows, they did it little by little, obviously, and I ended up getting tickets to all of the shows not going to go to all the shows uh, just because of the situation that we're in with the world, COVID. But uh, I did get a chance to go to Louder Than Life, and I did get a chance to go to Aftershock. And in before, uh, right before that started, uh, we had two actual uh, sneak shows, which I hope they do something crazy. Uh, I'm based out of um, ba based out of New York, uh, so I'm hoping that they do something crazy uh, in regards to doing a, show, a small venue over here because they did do the Metro and they did do another show in San Francisco. So uh, very excited to see if they do something like that, which, yeah, it's far-fetched maybe, but it, could, it would be awesome for that to happen. Um, these two festivals were very, very different. Sim similar set list. Uh, we got... Um, 16 songs from each of these and the thing is i've never been to a festival before so i, I had no idea what to expect I've, I've actually got to see metallica um many many times before uh cool venues sure uh and up until this point uh 51 shows 53 if you want to encounter what the band said with the drive-in show and the uh benefit show uh so if that's the if that's the case where it comes down to 53 now I 55 under my belt, um, but when it comes down to Metallica fans, um, it's it's one of those situations where like no one ever should um, compare themselves to like the caliber fan or like anything along those lines. I'm just a fan. I think that I'm just a regular fan. Might be over the top sometimes. But I have this separate fund that I have, and it's called the Met Fund. And the Met Fund is where if they're not in uh, New York, then I could, you know, put some money away each week. And that way I would be able to go and do these things. And, you know, it's uh, definitely a cool thing to travel and see things that you love, especially and whatnot uh, with that aspect of it. But the situation where you go into a situation knowing nothing about <laughs> um, festivals or anything along these lines of how it works out. I'm only there for one band. Everybody else might be there for other bands and running around and all that stuff. I didn't do that. And I didn't experience that with Louisville. And 
145,000 people were at Aftershock. It was the biggest festival of all time, and it was madness. Let me tell you, I was in the pit, um, and every single one of my Metallica concerts that I've experienced before, most of them, or I would say, they've all been inside of small venue or stadium. So when this experience happened to me, uh, not knowing what was going on with the amount of people that were going to be there, had no idea. Kind of was like a scary situation when I look back and um, all you could basically see <laughs> is a sea of people all in harmony, all ready for Metallica there. And, and it really was just uh, a uh, situation in which that um, I, I don't know if I would ever want to experience again. And guys who are GA all the time and that kind of thing and who are there for the pit and there on the rail and stuff like that, hats off to you because... I don't know how you did it. I really don't know how you did it. Uh, I was there. Um, like I said, I was very close in Sacramento. Uh, in the VIP section inside of Louisville was very different than what I experienced in Sacramento. I had more than enough space and people respected like the boundaries and like the six feet distance and all that kind of stuff. But when it came to Sacramento, it was no holes bar, no fucks given, and it was just crazy. Metallica was ready. They basically... I think had Louisville as a warm up because they were ready to play that night and they were unbelievable based upon the crowd's energy and whatnot. But never have I experienced a mosh pit. Um, my wife and I were right in the middle of it. I had to fend people off from hitting her in the face, and it was really just not something that I ever would expect at a Metallica concert. Um, from what I experienced, because I've heard all the stories about other bands and other this about the mosh pits, but being at 51 shows, I never experienced a mosh pit. Never even saw a mosh pit from even any of the seats or spots that I was at, because I thought that these things were non-existent, but boy, was I wrong. Uh, so with that being said, getting out of there alive was crazy. The whole experience and the vibe of everything, um, the show itself, uh, they had bad weather. Uh, so the ground was really slippery and, uh, they put down these rocks in Louisville to basically protect people from falling, which was a great idea. Uh, but at the same time, you can imagine how standing on these rocks for eight hours is really messing up your back and all that stuff. But never, nevertheless, it was still great to see them there back in action or whatnot. But the thing is, when you're sitting there and you're just realizing that you're in the moment of sharing it with this band and uh, nothing else matters, literally at that point, uh, it's unreal. And just to see them keep going and doing what they're doing is great. But with that being said, the story that I want to share with you guys, I have a couple of stories. So as I had mentioned, run my own podcast based on sports and Metallica. So I'm a five headed monster when it comes to the things that I like. I like two football teams. I like one basketball team, one hockey team, and then Metallica. So rightfully so when doing something, I do it kind of big being a fan. And as I mentioned before, you guys are probably like, what is this guy talking about? Like with the situation of don't compare fans and it's just not something that I like to do or brag or anything like that not trying to be a one-upper here so these are just some stories that I would love to share with you guys and for Brandon's audience who doesn't know me but a while back a friend of mine um, he actually him and I we 
didn't know this at the same time, but we had season tickets for uh, the New York Jets. So my dad had season tickets for the New York Jets and the New York Giants for the home games. And if you guys remember back, I mean, I'm talking back, you know, 15, 20 years where there were five teams in each division, three divisions in football, and now they spaced it out and things have changed a little bit. But I got to see the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that's, that's how far back it is. And the Washington football team, Deadskins, Redskins, whatever you guys want to call them. Uh, and then I got to see the Indianapolis Colts, the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. All along the season, rather than have just one team's home games. And it was actually, believe it or not, it was actually more affordable because if I, you know, you take those games, it's just weird the way it worked out. But, so, my buddy and I, talked about this and uh, I learned I, I really shouldn't make these bets and shouldn't open my mouth until I you know just best that you just don't open your mouth on these situations so I, uh, I, I my buddy and I going way back way 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 back uh, Jets are playing in San Diego uh, the two teams that I like in football are the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego and the Philadelphia Eagles so the Jets are in San Diego Qualcomm Stadium, Saturday night in January. It's a playoff game, and the Jets have Chad Pennington as their quarterback versus Drew Brees. So up until 2010, where the Atlanta Falcons had a 24-point spread, uh, which was the biggest in NFL history prior to that, it was a 17.5-point spread. Jets are playing the Chargers. There is no way the Chargers are going to lose this game. No way. Right behind the realms um, of, if we lose to the Jets, we really, really should not be in the playoffs. And uh, Jets are a wild card team this year. Charges are 13 and three, 14 and two. One of those first round buy, and they don't do really well off the buy. So my buddy says, "Well, how much you want to bet on this game?" And I and I said to him, I said, "Well, I said, uh, you know, dinner, drinks, hundred bucks." He goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "When the Jets win this game, you are going to go and get a Jet tattoo right on your forearm." And I said, sure. And every single person listening to this right now would turn around and say they would have taken this bet as well. You guys know what the next thing I'm going to say is coming. The Jets won the game, and I had to go get this miserable tattoo stuck on my arm. <laughs> so here's the stipulations on how this tattoo gets removed <laughs> as one of my two teams has to win the Super Bowl. All right, easy task, right? So... Eagles get there every other year to the championship game. Can't get me, or uh, NFC Championship, can't get to the Super Bowl. They get to the Super Bowl, they lose to Brandon's Patriots. Now, I'm sitting here 14 years later, and I got the perfect rematch. And now, my buddy wants to make a bet again. Now, as a Jet fan, you should never, ever want to root for New England. Uh, as a New England fan, I know you're not rooting for the Jets. Unless, of course, they're playing somebody that you need to win or whatever the scenario is for New England to get in. But New England, up until recently, was never in that situation where they had to rely on other people to win to get in the playoffs. So, Eagles are playing in Minnesota versus Tom Brady and the Patriots. And uh, it really was just a great situation because I had no doubt in my mind walking into this game that this was the year that the Eagles were going to finally win and alright yeah I'm excited for my team to win the Super Bowl but I'm even more excited to get this jet tattoo off of me so what ended up happening was as we all know Tom Brady walked off the field crying Philadelphia gets their first championship 
probably going to be their only championship, not to lie to you guys. But I got to take this off. And the thing was, is that my friend, instead of making the bet of saying like, yeah, like, you know, the Eagles are going to win this game. I'm with you. X, you know, X, Y, and Z. He turns around and he says, you, how much you want to bet that New England is going to win this game? And I was like, no, 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 no. No monetary value. As soon as the Eagles win this game, because I had that much confidence, like he did many years prior, I said, you are going to go and get an Eagles tattoo on your forearm, uh, on his actual bicep, rather. And uh, don't worry. You could take it off when the Jets win the Super Bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no way that the Jets are ever winning the Super Bowl. My friend does not have any tattoos. He is now stuck with the Philadelphia Eagles logo on his bicep. Thank you, Tom Brady. And thank you, St. Nick and Nick Foles, we trust. But that being said, the reason I share that story is because we actually had to figure out what we're going to cover this jet tattoo with. So I said, okay, I'm a Metallica fan. We're going to do it up real big. And uh, so I started off uh, to cover the actual jet piece itself. We have Doris, Lady Justice, and uh, right up the arm, full sleeve. On top, there's a bunch of 16th century bells for whom the bell tolls. Then we have right under that, Ride the Lightning, a couple of quotes, Master of Puppets written on the outside. And uh, really, really sick piece. Uh, my entry point to Metallica had to be on there as well, which was Death Magnetic. So, like, for me to have seen, like, the amount of stuff that I've seen in such a short time of being a fan, as I said, I don't envy the stories. I cherish them because I wish I could have lived the ride of being there. The first time that I ever saw Metallica, saw them at the Apollo Theater. It was such a great venue because it was 200 people, Sirius XM, my wife won tickets when she used to work for them, employee contest, we were front row in the second, like on the balcony, so we were hanging over there, over the rafters, it was insane, the building was shaking, all food, booze, and transportation were accommodated for from Penn Station to the venue and back to the venue when it was over, and it was just something cool, um, at that point, I've never experienced seeing them live, and then the first time that you actually hear what I heard hooked me instantly, and just so you guys know, when I heard this, I went absolutely crazy. Just crazy when I heard that. And up until this point, now again, I have never saw Metallica live at this point, but I can promise you that that was... Second song in the set list, and that was the only time that I've ever heard Metallica play Master of Puppets second, with the exception of one other time, which I will get into in a few minutes. But the building itself was so iconic. Uh, obviously, the Apollo Theater is iconic. But having a heavy metal band there, the innovators of thrash, um, the kings of thrash, kings of metal, the best band that ever lived, whatever you guys choose to call them as well as I do... Um, you you kind of got to respect that. So ever since I saw that, I was full throttle. And, um, you know, it was tough for me because, yeah, I wanted Puppets to be at the end. And I'm sure that uh, there has been many set lists over the course of time where Puppets has not been, of course, um, you know, second uh, it, you know, or later on in the set list or whatnot. But the scenario when you're in this type of atmosphere 
it was just unreal. I couldn't explain to you guys. I got to hear at least one song from all the albums, which at that point was really cool because, again, never saw them live before. So now, you know, again, when you're sitting there and now you're trying to top a show like that, it really is kind of hard. So for me, like no matter what I see, unless I see them on the moon, that might be my ultimate story to share with you guys, no matter how many cool shows that I have seen prior, because it was like, first time you ever kissed a girl, right? You guys, everybody remembers that. So, not saying that I'm going to kiss Metallica or anything along those lines, but you guys get the gist of what I'm saying. So, Brandon asked me to come on and share the story about my tattoo there, and um, we know that we have the 40th actual birthday coming up in a few days on the 28th, and the scenario that I felt that would be cool would to also do an M81 as James has it so I'm going to unveil that on the 28th for everyone to see but Brandon does have some pictures that he's going to post up for everybody to see uh, my arm just in case anybody wants to see uh, the cool artwork and if I can real quick just give a quick shout out to my artist uh, Chris Mason Tattoo he's on Instagram um, if you guys are ever looking for some work to be done with portraits and you're in the New York or tri-state area, uh, definitely look this guy up. He's got two shops, uh, really, really cool guy, very knowledgeable, one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, we've actually entered a few festivals with this piece and we've won and we've done really, you know, well, um, you know, with it. COVID slowed us down a little bit, but I'm sure that we'll be back and entering more. But um, yeah, it's it's always cool. But Master of Puppets, Master of Puppets, Master of Puppets. Everybody wants to talk about Black Album and, yes, the success of it and going commercialized and everything, and that's great. Uh, but Master of Puppets, uh, Battery, Master of Puppets, the thing that should not be Welcome Home Sanitarium, Disposable Heroes, Leopard Messiah, Orion, and... Damage Incorporated. Those eight songs changed my life and... Uh, Definitely, definitely had a high influence on my uh, Metallica fanhood, I guess you guys can call it or whatnot. But usually what I do during the progression of a tattoo is I always show what is going on. But I had some cool stuff planned to do for my back piece. And my philosophy on like what I do with my personal being is that I used to be 418 pounds. So in order for me to help maintain, to keep my weight off, is that each time that I hit a certain plateau that I would sleeve another limb so that way that I would be able to have the motivation to keep the weight off because obviously if you gain the weight back, it's not going to look good and the piece is going to stretch and whatnot. So I was going to do something cool with the Number of the Beast album cover from Maiden um, and I was going to have uh, Eddie the Trooper holding the flag and the Megadeth Peace Cells guy, I should know his name, but I don't. Um, so we, we were going to basically have the trooper slamming the flag through the Peace Cells guy and like a cartoon bubble, blood everywhere, battlefield scene, and then he would gasp. His last breath would be, Peace Cells, who's by? <laughs> so I thought it was pretty cool, pretty grim, you know, some of the quotes and stuff like that. Still going to do that project, but it's not going to be on the back because... Master of Puppets album cover is going to be my whole back. And just again, as I said, this album has changed uh, me uh, so many different ways. And uh, it definitely is something that has to be done. Uh, and uh, I will not be posting any of the progression for that. So I will show everybody and, of course, send some pictures to Brandon so he can show the audience as well uh, when 
it actually gets done and uh, finished and whatnot, as opposed to the steps and the progression on there. Uh, only because this piece is so special to me, uh, because I hit my one of my uh, big plateau marks uh, where I never thought that I would be able to get back to, but uh, under 215 pounds for the first time since I'm 15 or 17 years old is it's really it's really a huge accomplishment for me. Um, but with that being said. Thank you guys for listening to that story and that rampage. But my favorite Metallica story and memory of all time is uh, one like no other. So during uh, the Sonosphere tours and what they did during Europe and stuff, and I got to tell you guys that if you haven't seen a concert in Europe, uh, it's got to be on your bucket list to do so because it's not like watching it in the United States. It's everybody is so much more intense and into it and it's like it's it's great it's because they're there for the music and i feel that at sometimes including the last bunch of shows that i've gone to people always just look kind of look for a way out like or a night out or something like that and uh, a lot of the people when i looked around at louisville and i looked around in um sacramento i didn't really see that the people were you know knowing the covers and I don't like covers and yet I still know them and it was just to me it was just weird and they were there for the wrong reasons and the people and like I had described to you guys earlier the fighting and just stuff that I've never experienced um you know especially too in the world that I'm in you can only imagine as uh Bruno spoke about last week about what goes on at these concerts I thought it was funny about some of the extracurricular activities but Bruno you definitely got to uh email me deacon and kosho at gmail.com I want to chat about that because uh, I thought it was very interesting about the e-comments and whatnot I thought it was very funny um but uh with that being said Sonosphere Rome with my grandmother uh handicapped seats because she's at this point 83 82 years old and uh, I had to beg her to do this and it was she used to own a condo in Italy so we used to go to Italy uh, either once in the summer or I used to go uh, for like the Easter holiday uh, for those who believe in that and it was really a big deal especially in Italy about the masses and all that stuff so not someone who really practices religion or cares about it enough to really get into detail about like the festivities and stuff like that, but just know that an opportunity for someone who is 10 years old, 12 years old, to go traveling through Europe or backpacking through Europe, fuck yeah, I'm going to take that opportunity. So I got uh, you know a different type of childhood than most people living New York, I'm born in California, and then my grandparents are living in Italy. Like, I was all over the place, too. So it really was a great experience growing up as a kid. Um, but the cool thing about this particular show is uh, 2006, her and I went into Canada. And I thought this was going to be the end of it. So I begged her. I said, please, please, we got to go. There's something in Canada that I want to see. And that's something in Canada I wanted to see was the Stanley Cup Finals. And it was the Ottawa Senators, and they were playing the Anaheim Ducks. And it was the only game that Ottawa won that we went to, and the game was in Scotiabank. And after the first goal, which was maybe three and change into the game, the goal horn went off, and I, I thought that she was going to have a heart attack. I really, really thought she was going to have a heart attack because of just how crazy the loudness of that building was and the energy of it. Ottawa ended up losing the series, but uh, we were at the game, like I said, that they won, and it really was something special to be at. But we were in this show, and the most remarkable thing about the show, uh, two things, actually. Um, 
Battery and Master of Puppets were one and two in this opener, but it was a mash of both songs, so I didn't really know if Master of Puppets was second or if it was an opener, but when I checked out the set list uh, to make sure I wasn't talking out my ass here to you guys, um, they marked them down as two separate songs, but it was really something cool, and I don't know if you guys would be able to get it online. I'm sure you might be able to, but definitely check it out if you if you can, because anytime that they do this type of mash medley or something that you don't normally get to hear about or hear from them uh it's awesome like yeah why not like def- definitely doing something new or you know whatnot uh, about that but so in there allison o- allison chains opened up for metallica and i said to her i said well what'd you think about the show because you know you were pretty close we weren't like front row or anything like that but we had very good seats because like again she was a handicap so we turned around and uh, she said to me it was a really great show she's like the second guys were great she goes, but the first guys were really, really depressing. And just for someone of that nature, of that age, that probably didn't understand what they were saying, or maybe she did, Graham, I'm sorry if uh, I insulted you and you did understand. Um, yeah, it was really cool that she recognized that they were depressing. I thought Allison Change was good, uh, but of course, they're no match for Metallica and what I was going to feel about that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, probably my uh, most favorite Metallica memory, uh, along with the Apollo. Uh, so many other good shows and, and whatnot. So up until recently, I know it's going to shock you guys and then give you one more story before I uh, turn the reins over and uh, head out for the day. But I I turned around and uh, I go, not really someone who goes on the computer often, I'm more like on my phone and, you know, I'm working, doing my own thing or whatever. So I, I go open up my wife's laptop one night because I had to take a uh, birthday Zoom uh, show for one of my friends who's a comedian. And he, I, I look at all this stuff and, it, and, it's, and I'm reading all of this stuff, like the opportunities to see like oh S&M 2 this and that or this is on sale and never told me that we were fifth members so to me in my eyes I know it's going to sound crazy but that's almost like adultery how could you not tell the deacon that hey S&M 2 is going back in San Francisco like we have our opportunity to go let's go I think she kept me kept it to me for a reason because she's still trying to recover from the festivals thus far but giving her a month off and then we'll be back in San Francisco to see the Fab Four. Not the Beatles, but the best band that ever lived, Metallica, in their 40th anniversary shows. And I hope that I get to meet some of you guys, some of Brandon's fans that are going to be there. Um, as I mentioned, if you guys want to listen to the Deacon and Co. Show, Deacon and Co. Show at gmail.com. If you want to leave a message for me, you can follow me on the majors of social and find me wherever you find Brandon's podcast as well. Uh, Deacon and Co. Show on Instagram and Twitter as well there. But definitely looking forward to hearing from some of you guys and would love to do some work with anybody who wants to share some stories and come on and chat about Metallica and anything that uh, I could always do to help Brandon out. He's a good friend of mine and I'm always supporting everything that he's got going on, especially taking some time away to be a dad is especially a cool thing uh, because to me, there's nothing better than that than being able to spend some time with your family and taking it from there. But that being said, for now, I hope you guys enjoyed this segment of My Friends in Misery too. But Deacon is at Reach for me, New York! Fans not experts.